you ever feel like maybe he's, I don't know, missing out? Yeah, high school is about more than just classes and homework. Absolutely, there's the alienation, the loneliness. It should be the unhappiest time in a boy's life. That's why we try to make sure that Kevin doesn't miss out on any of those essential, emotionally scarring experiences that he get at a regular school. Back. <coughs> Dropped your books, fuck face. night we were on the boat with Christopher Walken and Natalie Wood. Walken was so coked out his speech patterns were normal. I asked Natalie Wood to bring me a scotch and instead she brought me a blended bourbon. I hit that cunt right in the face and when she fell overboard oh, I laughed. Soon, too soon. Okay, sorry. Hello, welcome once again to Simpy Podcast. I am one of your hosts. Gary Hill, uh, my co-host, <laughs> Mr. Jeffrey X. Martin, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How's everybody doing? I'm doing good, man. <laughs> okay. Doing well. Yeah, that's our co-host for this time around, uh, a friend of the program and commentaries and such, and she's a writer in, in every sense of the word. Miss Suzanne Capoletti, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys today? Fine. We're apparently very offensive today, so. Oh yay! The, so enjoy that. Fine. Oh man, but yeah, we're, we're here, and I guess we'll start off the show with uh, asking uh, our our guest first. I guess what you've been watching lately that's a uh, spark your interest. Sadly, I've been kind of off on a Stil- Sylvester Stallone tangent. Watched all the Rambo movies. Watched all the Rocky movies. Watched Cliffhanger. Yeah, I've been kind of grooving on on the Sly Man. Does that do anything for you? Um, it's definitely got its place in time. Yeah, he's, he's still pretty timeless to me. You know, even even though the more and more plastic surgery he has, the more and more uh, old he looks. I guess he looks like an alien. Yes, he does. Looks like an alien. <laughs> 
And I'm super excited that my copy from Grindhouse Releasing of The Beyond has finally shipped. Yeah, it's been a while waiting for that thing. Yeah. I hopefully should see it today or tomorrow. And I've got the -the glow-in-the-dark slipcover, so that just makes everything better. So is that all you've been watching lately? Just uh, Sylvester Stallone? Yeah, I've just nothing. It's just that... I can't find anything that's really been holding my interest. <laughs> that holds my interest, goddammit. <laughs> X, what you been watching lately, my friend? Uh, you know, we went to the used bookstore a while back and picked up some shit, so I've been watching... Shit, we rewatched My Bloody Valentine 3D. I had forgotten what a fantastic movie that is. And people never talk about that when, when, the, when the remakes come up, you know, and we talk about good ones. It's better than the original to me. Fuck yes. My Bloody Valentine 3D is amazing. And we also picked up the, um, finally got the Blu-ray of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the, the big 4K restoration on Blu-ray, which I don't have a fucking 4K TV, so that doesn't matter to me. But you can still tell a huge difference in the picture quality and in the sound quality. Oh my god, the sound quality is so great. Well, Leatherface is doing the little chainsaw dance. At the end, it goes all the way around the room. It feels like there's a helicopter landing in your living room. So that's fantastic. So that's what I've been watching. It's just, you know, old shit because I'm an old guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I bought that last summer and it's still in plastic. I haven't even taken it out yet. That's a travesty. <laughs> I need to fix that tonight. Uh, as far as I've ever watching, uh, I'm watching a lot of Third Rock from the Sun because it's on Netflix now. <laughs> Still funny as shit. Even if you haven't seen, I haven't seen all of them. I only watched the bits and pieces of it. I'm, I'm watching it now as a whole, and that crazy Solomon family really, really does it for me in, in the laugh department, you know. And uh, so that's good. Uh, what else have I watched? I watched films for the show, of course. I watched Wolf Cop. I got that. I got that on Blu-ray from from the Best Best Buy, and. That was very entertaining. If you feel like drunk werewolves doing stuff and <laughs> k- killing folk and all that good shit, fun. It is fun. Uh, I watched Cliffhanger as well because that, that was there, and I watched Daylight as well with, with uh, old Sly. Both of those films. Are, those are like the two opposite. Sly they're very films. two opposite Sly films. You got one. I'm on a mountain. I'm in a tunnel. <laughs> he is the Bill Bixby of those films. See. <laughs> He's just out there fixing shit and saving lives and stuff, you know. And then just walking away. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> oh, I watched Blackboard Jungle totally by accident because one of these films is pretty much the almost the doppelganger of it. So th- that's always fun to watch uh, from from the 50s. Uh, other random stuff that I should be watching, stuff I haven't watched yet. I watched about three quarters of the Turtle Power uh, the t- definitive Ninja Turtles documentary, which is pretty entertaining, seeing uh, the voice actors talking about their memories and the uh, Eastman and Layard talking about their their thing, and just seeing James Avery doing uh, the Shredder voice, just him standing there doing it was uh, something to behold. R.I.P. R- Uncle Phil, you know. Oh, uh, besides that, uh, there's other random stuff that I could never remember everything that I watched, but uh, that, that's uh, pretty much it for right now. I guess we'll uh, shoot right into that lovely segment you guys all know and love now. We should call our Beef of the Week. (laughs) 
Max, what is your beef of the week, sir? I gotta be honest. I don't have one this I week. I didn't have one last week, so that that's a. I'm re- I'm I'm really happy. Nobody has said anything to do and or piss me off within the horror uh, world at large. So yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm pretty okay. <laughs> okay. Suzanne, do you have a beef of the week of any kind? Actually, I do. Okay. Lay it on us. Okay. Well, I was at Target, and I want to know, how hard is it to put the fucking cart back in the cart corral? Because the people, one of them hit my car again, because some probably fat motherfucker who could use the walk. Just left it, and the winds carried it, and it slammed into the side oh, of the Oh, you're talking about the Amigo, the the, the rolling cart. <laughs> yeah. And I, I swear to God. No, no, it's the regular. Oh, okay. I thought you'd be like the, the, the motorized one. Oh, no. But, I mean, how hard is it to walk the cart 10 feet over to the fucking cart corral so you don't fuck up anybody's car? How hard is this? Apparently very, because, you I, know, the, the whole being 10 feet away is really hard sometimes for some folks. Oh, I've yelled at people for it. <laughs> it is not only my beef of the week, it is one of my pet peeves. And the fact that this is the second time my car has gotten hit by a stray car because somebody was too lazy to walk it 10 feet. And the person that did it probably could have used the, you know, the 10 feet of walking. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not laughing at Suzanne's plight, but I can't tell you how many times I've called Suzanne. And she's come from the grocery store, and she's got a major beef with the grocery store for some reason. And she tells me some crazy story about what happened at the grocery store, you know, so. It's like I attract this. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> I'm really happy my grocery store now has a wine bar so I can have a glass of wine or a beer before I actually shop. And it takes the edge off. Your grocery store has a wine bar? Yeah, and an oyster bar. Oh, well, fuck oysters, but I mean a wine bar? A wine that's, bar. That seems like the best marketing scheme ever. Oh, it is. Come in, get sloshed, and then just buy shit that you don't know what it is. Oh, yeah. I go in there, and I literally will need four things, and I'll spend $100. That's great. It is. I love this store. <laughs> Meanwhile, the police are waiting outside, spray-painting backs of tires of, of lonely women going into the grocery store. Yep, that one's going to hit the <laughs> wine bar. <laughs> she looks like a Chardonnay type. <laughs> you blow into this, darling. Uh, let's let's see where you're at with this this uh, BAC, okay? <laughs> oh God, I can see it too. It'd be the best scam ever for a cop. Oh, yeah. oh. as far as my people of the week goes, I think I have two. Well, one of it, which is capitalism. I, mean, I, I work with newspapers. I've been done it, doing it for it's as long as I can remember since since my my middle school days. And uh, every Easter, um, the papers are huge the week before Easter, and it's because they're trying to sell stuff, and I'm, I'm fine with that. But it didn't hit me till this morning, and this is going to sound very anti-Semitic, you know, but what better way to celebrate the resurrection of the super Jew than with capitalism? Because it just hit me today that, you know, that that, that was a thing in my brain, that me just figuring the, the realization today after working all these years with these newspapers, and... I would like your guys' thoughts on that if I'm uh, sounding too anti-Semitic about it, you know. Well, I mean, you have to admit, right down to product placement, everything is a stab at capitalism. You want to, you want your, you want to find a way to suck more money out of people, and it's even better if they don't have the money and have to put it on a card. Yep, that means more debt, you know. 
Oh, my, what, oh but so, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go when ahead. I say Super Jew, I do not mean Gene Simmons, folks, okay? He's not the Super Jew. <laughs> Maybe according to although you. He does, although he does um, breathe fire and wear fancy boots, he's not, he's not the Super Jew. He'd be like the Super Devil, maybe, you know? I, th- I think I think every religious holiday is wrapped in capitalism, you know? I mean, and it doesn't matter which denomination you follow. If you want Easter stuff, then sure, here's candy and grass and baskets or whatever. Fuck, why do you think why do you think that they bring the fish sandwich back during this time For of the Lent, year? For Lent, obviously. For yes. Lent, yeah. <laughs> it's like the shamrock shaker on St. Patrick's Day. It's kind of racist. I know it's kind of racist. It I was is, a little curious but... the way you're drinking one if you're Irish, you know, and just to say, hey, this is more racist. Why don't they bring it back and be on like like in like January or August when nobody used to think about, oh wow, this is a random shamrock shake, you know? <laughs> yeah. But dude, seriously, everybody's got something to sell, and if a holiday will help them do it, then you know, they're gonna take advantage of that. Well, Thanksgiving doesn't really have any religious connotations, but they found a way to wrap Black Friday around yeah. it. That's that's capitalism in a nutshell right there. True, it doesn't have any religious connotations, but now somehow it has some kind of patriotic um, connotation, which I don't remember being there when I was a kid. So, oh, you ate. Your parents got drunk and yelled at each other. That Everybody was had- every day. <laughs> <laughs> you burnt the roast again, you slut. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, we talked enough about domestic abuse last episode. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm sorry, Doctor. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I actually have two more beefs. I thought of another one. So, Ellen Green had a head like a cork. I'm sorry. Yeah, my my, my my next beef, I guess, would be uh, Kevin Smith, of all people, who's somebody whose who's work I enjoy. But uh, this time around, uh, he... Been announcing all week long, and, and that he's got getting cast back and all this good stuff for Mallrats too, which is kind of redundant to me. I can, I can get behind Clerks three because there's room for growth there. I mean, Clerks two, they they the convenience store and video store burned down, so they had to get a job in fast food, and they was stuck on those jobs forever. But Dante was going to move away because he got a fiance and he's got to get get a wife and. You know, whatever, and grow up there. But of course, that didn't that didn't work out because he knocked up somebody else. But in the end, they get money together and they 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 own the convenience store that they once worked at. So there's like those there's growth there's growth there for them being adults that they own and establish their own place now. Now in mall rats, if they, if it goes the way you know it's gonna go, it's just a bunch of forty somethings hanging around the mall, which is which is pathetic if you think about it. Uh, what what is your thoughts about that, guys? That's creepy. You know, 40-year-old creepers at the mall? Come on. Oh, man. I mean, they got Shannon Doherty back for it. They got Jason Lee back for it so far. I'm sure Muse is on board because he's always there. Um, I've heard they got, like, I'm sure, I think Rooker's on board. They, they got all these people on board, I'm sure. And, and, and it's, it's it blows my mind. I have, to, I have to see the script first, naturally, before I start passing judgment. But I, uh... I think unless it's a movie about all of the characters from the first one now stuck in the hell of retail middle management, it's not going to make any sense whatsoever. Fuck it. I'd rather have Clerks 3. You're getting, you're getting Clerks 3, though. You're, you're getting that and Mallrats 2. But I don't want Mallrats 2. I, I, I agree don't. with Max on that. There's I've worked, really no I've worked in a mall. Mallrats 2. After, after the Affleck rock gets rammed in prison, he goes back to working at the fast old mail again. And, you know, and... 
<laughs> Hopefully that's still there. As a new Volkswagen. He's really driving a Volkswagen now, yes, indeed. To be more creepy than he already is. He asked 19-year-old girls who's their favorite new kid. I'm like, why don't you get the fuck out of my face? Because they know what the fucking new kid is. And, you know, uh, oh, no, that's, that's that fuck. And I'm sure he'll show up in that film somewhere. Yes. <laughs> Maybe maybe Joey Lord and Adams shows back up. Oh no, she won't. <laughs> yeah, maybe 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 not. <laughs> It'd be a little weird. That'd Did anybody awkward. take the foray into Tusk? Yeah, they at least say Johnny Depp in that one, making things weirder. So whatever. That's a whole other film. That's a whole other film discussion. Tusk. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it pretty much is. We could do a whole, uh, you know, I am the walrus episode. We could have, we could have, I am the ape, the the Eggman, I am the ape man, you know, and do I am the walrus, three films. <laughs> Cuckoo kachoo, right there. These these <laughs> these shows program themselves, people. Trust me, they do. This shit writes itself. <laughs> I guess my last beep is a, a, a thing that I saw in the paper about a, a doll that's on the market right now called Eavesdropping Barbie. Which is uh, a Barbie that your kids can speak into, and it stores their voices in the cloud. So what Mattel is basically doing is they're basically let, telling parents to buy this toy for their their little 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 daughters. So they have NSA has a nice little recording device in their in your house, you know, unbeknownst to the stupid parents that buy this toy for their for their kids. What is your toy? What is your your uh, your thoughts on like espionage and toys? One it's more not- marketing scheme. It's not the espionage that bothers me. You know who I think this is marketed towards? You know those women who, like, have miscarriages but then take them home and, like, fucking post pictures of them up on the uh, Internet and call them fallen angels or whatever it is? That's who this is for. So they can have they can have something to pretend to listen to their dead child's voice on. Dude, you just made it, cre- you just made it creepier. <laughs> That's my I, job, I, I, Gary. That's I, I what I do. I commend you for that, man. You still hang, go hang around no playgrounds. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, but that makes a lot of sense. Oof. Yeah, just uh, I got a little colder just now. That, that, that actually creeps me out a little uh, bit more. <laughs> I just got a little colder just now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. But, um, yeah, uh, this is a, a joint effort on my next part to program this show. Uh, X, tell the folks what we're doing on this show. We're doing horrible kids, bad little bastards. Um, so yeah, pretty much high school movies <clears throat> with a twist. This is not your John Hughes shit today. We're doing Massacre at Central High from 1976, um, Class of 1984 from 1982, which I. Uh, Whatever. Um, Heathers from 1988 and Jawbreaker from 1999. Uh, glorious. I guess we'll, uh, we're going to do this boys versus, versus girls as was discussed before the show. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll hype this up first with the one that I, that was the first time watched for me for this episode, which is Massacre Essential High and you this killer kids and privileged bitches episode. So you'll hear about that right after the trailer. Welcome to Central High, where the kids really get away with murder. Meet the in crowd at Central High. Didn't you do that? 
You know, I do better work here. Bruce, Mark, Teresa, Craig, and Paul. This year, the in-crowd has a problem. Because this year, there's a new kid at Central. You know the student lounge? Huh? David. This place is a maze. We'll get used to it. And David doesn't like to be pushed around. Already started a fight, okay? That's reason enough to waste him. Except he beats you, all of you. And if you were thinking straight, man, you'd realize he's a good guy to have with us. Okay, Mark. Talk to me. They're already getting edgy about the way you've been acting. Playing with fire. You tell them the same thing. I said get out of there. You're not talking to one of your stooges. How dare you are. David lives by the golden rule. Do one to others and make it permanent. There are many popular sports at Central High. But this year, the most popular sport is murder. Look, you've got three minutes. We're staying. I've warned you, that's all I can do. Welcome to Central High. You're just in time for a massacre. A massacre at Central High. Massacre Central High from 1976. Gets a 6.2 on your IMDb, which surprised the hell out of me. Um, uh, plot synopsis is this. A high school transfer student pushed to the edge by a trio of brutal brutal bullies resorts to murder to reclaim the school from oppression and later turns against the students wanting to fill the vacuum of their oppressors. Uh, not a lot of actors I know in this. That's Robert Carey. I mean, you could, you could uh, enlighten us on the actors that are in this film, X. Yeah, give me a second to pull up that. I, I have it pulled up. I decided to... I need to expand my window. <laughs> uh, let's see who we got here. We've Andrew Stevens. Like yeah, Andrew Stevens is in this, whom we all know and love from you know Brian De Palma's The Fury, and of course Night Eyes with Shannon Tweed. Um, the main guy, his name is Daryl Morey. He actually played Jughead in the Archie TV show. So if you remember that, like I do, then then the, the you cartoon remember. series and or. And, no, the live action. Oh, I never, never knew that was a thing, so there you go. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see. The main piece in this film is Kimberly Beck. Um, she plays Teresa. Not Teresa. Teresa. And she is the uh, Tommy Jarvis's older sister from Friday the 13th, the final Hello. chapter. Yeah. Now, you've also got people in here like Lonnie O'Grady, who was one of the Eight is Enough kids. Um, Rainbow Smith, that's B E A U X, who was <laughs> indeed, yeah, yes, was in some nice '70s exploitation flicks, also. So yeah, if 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 you grew up in the '70s, you're going to recognize a lot of these people from just various uh, television shows and stuff like that. So that's 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 kind of fun. Oh yeah, like I said, this is a first time watch for me. And I love the, the, the and, and this could sound like for like more anti more anti semi because this film these films are filled with it some of them 
I love the fact that it starts with a, with a very emaciated Robert Carradine just drawing a swastika in a locker for no good reason. No, he, he's protesting. He's protesting the the evil preppies that rule the school. <laughs> Calling them Nazis. No, what it really starts with is one of the worst fucking songs oh, I've ever heard in my life. Oh, my God. Oh, that song. Oh, it's, it's right up there with the fucking country song at the beginning of the ninth configuration, which just goes on forever. Oh, my God. That's exactly how this starts. The movie doesn't match... The music does not match the tone of the movie. No. Hell, the font of the titles doesn't match the movie. It looks like it's going to be an old, like, 1972 inner school, inner city school TV show with Cleavon Little, and <laughs> it's not. Yeah, what I, what I can make from it is, you know, the, these kids who are, they're, they're more like ruffians, like, causing trouble, much like the, 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 the ruffian teenagers in... Hershey Gordon Lewis is, is um, um, just for the hell of it. That's what it kind of reminded me of. Like, them just, like, causing <laughs> random destruction. Like, not really... They're committing crimes, but nothing to say, you know what? We're just going to go out and kill some motherfuckers. You know? Yep. So it's, like, really, really minor stuff like them dumping the books on the, li- the, the librarian kid. and Because they, they, they won't pay 20 cents for their their, their late fees. And, uh, yeah, these, these kids, these kids, are, these white kids got some problems, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> 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 are, are they supposed to be like? Are they supposed to be like privileged, like all rich kids, and like mixed with the poor kids? Or, well, yeah, it's just, it it kind of seems that way. I mean, well, Andrew Stevens was driving an MG. The one guy was driving that, you know, tricked out van. And so. one of the characters says that his father built the school an Olympic sized swimming pool. It seems yeah. like a really shitty school, though. Uh, they have all these 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 perks and like. If these kids were as, as privileged and as rich as they say they were, you'd think they would be going someplace else, like a prep academy or something, you know? Right. I completely they just, agree. They, they left it a little bit unclear on that point, but you do definitely get the impression that they have money. Well, some of them do, because some of them have, you know, like I said, nice rides, which is if you're parked on the right side of the parking lot, you're doing okay, except for their their their, their new friend. Uh, what's the... What's the, the What's the new friend's name? Or the, the new the new kid in town? Oh, it's either Mark or David. I can't remember. They're all so damn generic. He he drives yeah. some kind of military jeep or something for some reason. He's got a Willis. His name is his David. Name is David. And he's he's got a Willis jeep. He's driving around. And poor Rodney, this kid named Rodney that they torture. They take his poor little what the fuck was that even a valiant? That looked like a valiant. That's what I thought. They take a valiant and just and just go off roading with it. <laughs> Yeah, they, they destroy this kid's car. They just wanted to test the brakes. That's all they wanted to do to make sure it was up to code. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these kids are assholes. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah, don't take long for uh, our, our new friend to see that he doesn't want to be uh, privy to these folks, uh, although his his friend who can get him in with these, these rich kids and, and whatever the fuck that means. I don't know what the initiation for this evil club is like. Maybe it involves raping small animals or something. I don't, I don't know, but it, it's it's <laughs> <laughs> maybe a babysitter. That seems to be the Kennedy test. <laughs> 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 but he wants no part of this shit. Obviously, even when it comes to like him him helping the librarian kid out and stuff and all that. 
Well, when the, those two guys attack the girls in the classroom, they actually got pissed at him for stepping in and breaking it up. It's like, oh, sorry, I didn't want you to rape this girl. Uh, yeah, move on. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot the of girls been... were annoyed with them. I'm like, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And they were cuts. Afterwards, they were real cuts. Like, you want to ride somewhere? No, we'll be okay. I was like, I should let that motherfucker rape you then. It's just, if that's the way you're going to act, you know? It's a very weird sense of entitlement about this. It's like entitlement just ballooned up to its most illogical extremes. I have the right to rape you because I have a nice car. And then the rapees are very, very smug about their plight when somebody comes to rescue them. And and uh, who plays the, the brunette girl in the movie that's like one of the, a part of their crew or whatever, which is really strange because in the, 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 the attempted rape scene, she seems like really she's really into it, like. You know what? You get this over with. You couldn't get up me last night, stuff like that. And, you know, like she doesn't mind her boyfriend just banging away on this blonde because it isn't no thing. Oh, are you talking about Teresa? Oh, she had, she, she, was, she was a brunette in this movie, though, right? I think I see a blonde. Well, the only the only brunette that I can remember is one who was actually getting raped or at least pawed. And that was Lanny O'Grady, who was the girl from oh, Amazon. Okay. Which in this context is extremely funny because there were like what three or four. Yeah, of them they, could, they couldn't. They uh, again, I don't. I, I, I don't condone rape, didn't, but three, three or four no. of them could not get it done. You know. Well, they were feisty, and then of course David comes in with his Cotta and starts kicking ass. <laughs> That's about the size of it. He just you know, whoopsies very uncoordinated, uh, especially blonde. Who a guy who I'm gonna go, who I'm gonna call blonde lurch because he kind of reminds me of you know. If Lurch was blonde and he went to high school, that's what this guy would look like. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will. I'll come up with my theory later. I'm going to connect this movie to another one, and I have, of course, a stupid theory to throw out there for everybody. <laughs> okay. Uh, Suzanne, what else do you think about this film? Uh, what are your What are your thoughts and about this film? You know, I've always, for some reason, had a soft spot for this movie because you have to admit the death scenes are grand. Yes, the guy I agree. His head crushed in the pool, well, the empty pool. You have to admit, you the first time you saw it, you went, "Ew, <laughs> that was awesome." Yeah, and the guy getting fried on the high tension wires. Oh, it was it was, it was know, comical. <laughs> oh yeah, you almost waited for some real stock musical. Like, you know. Well, the great thing about that is, is that's supposed to show just how rich and entitled they are. Oh, school's over. Shall we go hang gliding? Yes. Yeah. But my favorite, my, my favorite death fuck? in the whole film is uh, them. They're gonna go start banging in the tent under this conveniently placed oh, yeah. rock, which of course this guy has endless. Uh, our, our our hero or villain or whatever you want to call him has an endless supply of dynamite and explosives. Yep. And he. Expl- but they picked up the dynamite. Why would you just pick up the dynamite and just walk away okay. from it? That is This is, is nothing. This isn't going to come back later to bite us in the ass at all. And of course, <laughs> kaboom! This rock, a convenient place in front of this 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 cave or something, falls and drops on them while they're having sex, and they they die. Of course, you don't see their death, but they die for I'm sure. I doubt they survive that. If you found dynamite, would you not be a little freaked out? And they're just very glib about it. It's like, oh, I think maybe prospectors left this here in the 1800s. It looks a little too clean, though, <laughs> but I'll think nothing of it. I mean, did you 
not well i guess no at that point nobody did see lost because i just keep thinking of poor professor arst saying that dynamite's old and sweaty and then getting blown the fuck to bits <laughs> so oh i think this is very important on imdb right here this film was released in italy under a title in the under the title sexy jeans and featured some pornographic pornographic material asserted in the film Yay, porno insert. Sexy jeans, man. <coughs> no, but I, I think that, you know, our our, 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 our hero slash villain of this film, I think he he revealed his hand too quickly in this film to reveal who he was, in my opinion. Okay, I can, I can go and with it, that. And it, it almost had like an over-the-edge quality to it where nobody was snitching on nobody. But they all knew this kid was was killing these 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 rich rich elitist people, but they didn't care because school was getting better, so they started their own cliques of killing people or just terrorizing people. <laughs> like who's afraid of Robert Carradine? Uh, just shitting on a guy in a library for for no good reason, you know? Right. And by the way, Harry Chess for a teenager. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Dude, I was just thinking that. <laughs> Jesus, you did not expect him to have that kind of a match. It's like Martin Landau with, with no shirt on. He just, he just, oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> it was almost scary, man. Like, okay, nobody needs to see that. Put put those nipples away there, Robert Carradine, okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the thing I think this makes this movie weird is its its restraint. Like, I, like you were saying, most of the kills are off screen. Um, so a lot of it just takes place in your head. And... I don't know. It, it it feels like a TV movie, but at the same time, it feels like the second, like like the program filler for a drive-in double bill. Um, but I don't know, man. There's it's got some elements that I like to it. It kind of reminds me. And here's a weird comparison. Reminds me of Rolling Thunder. Oh, how how so, man? She laid on me. Just just because of the revenge aspect of it. I mean, he didn't come back with like a hook for a leg or anything after they injured him in the garage. But he came back limping. He had, he was pissed, and then he was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to kill all of you." Ha ha ha. So yeah, I think of like Rolling Thunder or The Exterminator when I think of this movie, just shit like that. Yeah, I can see that. Can definitely see that. Yeah. It's just really polite. <laughs> <laughs> it's like chamber pop for the exploitation crowd. Yeah, it, it wasn't that this film was bad. Like 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 you say that. From from Jump Street, you got that song that just takes you out of the whole thing. Because as they're playing the song, it's filled with these violent images of people like grimacing, making like obviously painful grimacing in their faces, and you see explosions and all kinds of crazy stuff yep. in this very somber song about mate telling you to walk the straight line and all this other stuff and be be good little girls and boys. And no, it, it's it was a really strange setting for that. And really strange that they they picked that song and it, for if anything that took me out of the movie, but not not just for a moment. But it's it's not a yeah. good jumping off point though to, to say here's this movie about kids are gonna die in the school or around the school. <laughs> oh, be nice to each yes, other. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, the the theme song had absolutely no place being there. No. One of my favorite deaths in the film, and this is spoilers, it's probably on YouTube, so I think it is, you can watch it in three parts on YouTube, is where uh, Blonde Lurch, Blonde Surfer Lurch, uh, he, um, his van gets taken, and he, he gets taken in it, and, and uh, it goes starts going by itself or driving backwards. All I wanted to hear was the 18th theme right there. <laughs> <laughs> P.A. Parfakis is going on a mission. No, 
It's really strange though that they they like yeah that's the only thing they care about is my my wind glider and my girl and that van and somebody's fucking with my wheels. And no, oh, <laughs> these kids are just so superficial and, and and they're all of them really shitty kids except for the ones that weren't involved in their their their, their clicks and then the, the clicks that happen after the 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 baddies started getting bumped off and uh. <laughs> Yeah, but the the kids that were left were just as yeah, bad. They were. So you you kind of hoped mm-hmm. that they were to get blown up in the end, but of course, you know that 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 didn't come about all the way. You know, I have to admit, you know, one of the first times I watched this movie, and you have everybody approaching, <sighs> what's his face? You know that you you think that he'd say, guys, you know, we're you're not oppressed anymore. Can't you just deal with it? Do you have to have somebody in charge? Why can't you just? Well, he's, he's generally he's generally a shit starter. I mean, we 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 discussed this when Wex wasn't here for the last episode. When I with Robert St. Mary, we did the Intruder, where this guy could easily be the Bill Shatner, the Bill Shatner partner, except without all the racism, coming to the school just to fuck things up. Like I'll kill off the, I'll go and find the biggest, baddest mother in the yard, bump that motherfucker off, and see what happens. And you know what? He saw what happens. There was an uprising of really shitty kids. Who were just terrorized kids, so they were kind of good kids towards the end there. I mean, toward in the beginning there, but not towards the end, because like I said, Robert Carradine started his whole his whole clique and of kids that are just picking on people, and they're all into it now that all these folks are dying around their school, which is pretty morbid as it is, you know. Not not just because these are people that not people that they love, but to the point where they're asking this psychotic bastard who's just roaming the halls of their school who's bumping these people off that. Oh, promise me you won't kill this one. Promise me you won't kill that one. You know, and he doesn't give a shit who he kills. He's, he's a fucking sociopath, you know? Right. He was killing people in hilarious ways. <laughs> I'll just loosen the bolts on this diving board and say there's the the water's, the, the pool's under maintenance. He's so cocky, he's going to go in there anyway, because he's got to get his laps in. Because his daddy built this pool. And you know what? Yeah, you you get that, that that scene, you know, the the very seventies, even even it's very seventies movie, right down to the blood. It looks it looks like 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 a like like corn syrup, you know. Oh yeah. They, they, they... Well, it's been sitting there overnight. It it curdled. <laughs> now, what curdled. happened to the kid in the library? I, there was that scene where there 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 were Robert Carradine and his, his clique were terrorizing the kid in the library, and then what's what's the fat kid's name? Oscar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Oscar yeah. busts in there, and I, does he, like, shoot him in the head or stab him in the throat? What does he do? He's just, and he, he does something to, to make this kid bleed to death. And No, I think it was a small, ch- from what I kind of pieced together from what he was doing in the garage, is he probably put a small charge in his hearing aid, and when he turned the hearing aid on. Yeah, that's what it was, yeah, because they, they mentioned, yeah. oh, he's he got his hearing aids on. Exposition. <laughs> and of course, is this 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 poor innocent the, the probably one of the only innocent kids in the whole in the school full of shitty kids uh, meets his death that way. And this kid, this this fat kid Oscar, just walks out of walks out of the library like like he's whistling with his, with his hands in his pockets, like nothing nothing to see here. I'm gonna go go to physics class now. Yeah, yeah, physics class. You know. <laughs> So this film is filled with lots of silly deaths, which you can either you know laugh at, which which I I laughed at a lot of them, especially especially the hang glider scene. Oh, the hang glider was hilarious. My favorite was the pool. 
I I don't know. There was just something, you know, you didn't see it. You saw the aftermath. But I just like kind of seeing his head crushed and my the, favorite, and the pool ahead. of curdled blood. My favorite's the exploding locker. Oh, that was that was good. I think that's just hilarious. <laughs> it's so it's sudden. Like, oh, we fooled you. <laughs> uh, Bam. But when they cut to what he looks like after the after the explosion, he's got a little blood splat on his face. Wouldn't his face be missing? <laughs> he was he was grinding up a lot of uh, gunpowder in that 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 package there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but from uh, explosion proportions aside. I'll ask you guys this X. What do you have to? What anything else you want to say about this movie? Um, I really like this movie. It's just weird and seventies, and <clears throat> I think a lot of movies, you know, stole from this movie. Honestly, including one we're going to talk about in this show. So I give it a I give it a seven. Great, um, Suzanne. I have a soft spot for this movie. I've watched it several times over the years. I just enjoy it. There's, you know, it's in the, it's not possible. There's no way it could ever happen. So I can at least, I can be entertained by it, but I'll probably give it a six and a half. Um, yeah, me, I, I enjoyed it. It was the first time watch. I'll probably have to watch it again and probably a couple more times for me to like it a hundred percent. But I mentioned, uh, HG Lewis's just for the hell of it earlier. They, they, they did kid kids shenanigans better in that movie. In my opinion, I mean, come on. They, they, they terrorize a mother. They throw her baby in a tra- they put her baby in a trash can. They just destroy the pram for no reason, for no reason whatsoever. You just say this is a scene in the movie, and it, I I, can, I gotta get behind something like that. But this film for me, wacky kills, wacky explosions, and shitty kids dying. I'm all in. This is a seven point five in my opinion. Nice, <laughs> nice. Um, we're gonna go uh into our next film, I guess, which we're gonna do boys versus girls. So we'll do this uh. We'll go with uh, Heather's next, I think, and you'll hear about that right after this. Meanwhile, at Banana Laser Studios. Hey, Wazelle, I think we should record a new ad for Banana Laser. Great idea, Dave. We should say that Banana Laser Horror Podcast is hosted by us and Alex. What? I heard my name. I think we should talk about the retrospectives. They've been a pretty big hit. Fucking Friday the 13th, Saw, Halloween retrospective. Yeah, man, I've heard people listen to that Halloween retrospective every October like it's tradition. Yeah, you don't say. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I do, too. You listen to your own podcast? Yeah, uh, our shit is that damn good. Yeah, man, we should also say in the ad we hope to introduce horror fans to something new, whether it's a movie they haven't heard of or look at other films in a new way. Yeah, we could talk about our walking through the 80s specials we did when we covered the 80s movies. We could talk about rolling through the 70s. We could talk about you doing mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, we can. Are you writing this down? Writing? What are you two talking about? Yeah, and the ad should say all the technical stuff, too. Like, you can find our show and its full archive on HorrorPhilly.com, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Um, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's... Oh, well, hold on. We could talk about um, Banana Bites, because no one else does it. All about horror news releases, and, of course, with our witty opinions and observations. Ugh. Yeah, shit. Perfect, man. I think that should do it. This new ad for Banana Laser is going to be awesome. Oh, that's what you guys are talking about. Can I be on it? No. Fresh banana laser wins every time. Three blind mice. Three blind mice. Heather Chandler. Heather McNamara. Heather Duke. Veronica Sawyer. Why is 
mega brat? Because I can be. The most powerful clique at Westerberg. God, Veronica, drool much? Most people would die to get into it. Heather, number one, just look right at me. I'm worshipped Westerberg, and I'm only a junior. Veronica would kill to get out of it. You were nothing before you met me. You were a Girl Scout cookie. J.D. has come to answer her prayers. I'm a no-rest build-up man myself. Well, kill her. He's got a way with women. A way with words. Is this as good for you as it is for me? Life can suck! And a very special way with a gun. Veronica can't live with him. No! I love my dead gay son. And she can't live without him. Does this turn out weak or what? Had at least 70 more people at my funeral. What? Their meeting was destiny. Ah! And that knife is filthy! What do you think I'm gonna do with it? Take out her tonsils? Ha! Their love <gasps> has a body count. I loved you. I was coming up here to kill you. Breaking up. Young love. Heather's a killer comedy. I'm gonna have to send my SAT scores to San Quentin instead of Stanford. Heather's from 1988. It's a 7.4 year IMDb. Uh, Plot synopsis is a girl who half heartedly tries to be part of the in crowd of her school, being the Heather's, not the Betty's. Meets a rebel who teaches her a more devious ways devious way to play social politics by killing off the popular kids. Oh, similar plot, see guys? Yeah. Uh, I guess you're you're uh only that go oh, go, go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say not only similar plot, similar plot devices and similar ending. Yes indeed, yes. They, they are very very explosive, mm. yes indeed. Uh did this <laughs> film famously stars went on a writer. Uh, paired with Christian Slater as uh, your your Mickey and Mallory of this film, I guess you would call them, but really really not hardcore. You know, um, I'll start with you, Suzanne, this time around. What is your your thoughts on, on Heather's? I'll be dead honest. I am so worn out on Heather's. When I was in high school, it was I swear every movie night. Well, let's watch Heather's. I enjoyed it the first fifty times I've seen it, but I just. I just don't enjoy it anymore. Okay. I guess you... I'm, I'm sorry. No, I, I can see where this review is going. Goddamn, I'm not, not playing. No, you, you, you're right. That, uh, everything you say is truly just like me, me and John Cross did the Scott Pilgrim review about him not liking it. It's like everything you say is true, but I totally disagree because I love it. You know? <laughs> uh, X, what are your thoughts on, on Heather's, man? This is only the third time that I have seen Heather's. And I still don't like it. So there you That's go. Fair enough. Yay! Yeah, it's two of you. Yeah, I've got some serious problems with this. Fair one. enough. Yeah, me myself. I I have the same problems as that has. Where I I've seen it a lot of times. It's 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 quotable as hell, but but it's still not as bad as Reality Bites. And I'll explain <laughs> why. During- oh, sweet <laughs> Jesus! That is one. It's it just sucks. Oh boy! Yes, yeah, so if you haven't seen Heather's, it basically starts at this high school in in Ohio of all places. You know, very midwestern high school. They love they love their football and they love they love their you know pr- pretty girls wanting to go to college and all this stuff. And 
it, it starts with these these girls playing croquet, which is this group called the Heather's uh, Heather Duke, played by Shannon Doherty. Uh, you had uh, the the head with the head the head uh, Heather, I guess Heather Chandler, played by Kim Walker. You have Heather McNamara, played by Lizanne Falk, and of course you had Veronica, who is not a Heather at all. You know, being I guess basically their lackey who can forge anybody's name and anybody's writing apparently. And <laughs> I guess that's a that's a trait that you 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 want a good friend to have. And they're 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 playing croquet like like proper young ladies do. And of course Heather Chandler, her being the, the queen bee, she's always red, you know. So they they go they go through the motions, they go through their day 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 high school life. And uh, Veronica meets JD, who's uh, played by Christian Slater, who's this this duster wearing uh, mysterioso kid who's sitting in the corner eating his what looks like a banquet pot pie, you know. <laughs> While they're asking these jackasses questions, that every everybody in the in the lunchroom like they give a shit something about if uh, you won five million dollars or something, and if it, and then two days later aliens yeah, landed. It was so stupid just to walk around asking this stupid fucking question. You know, it was more clever in Mean Girls when the guy asked, "Do you like your muffins buttered?" You know, so the, yeah, that was more clever than that. You know, and uh, <laughs> so yeah, JD gets accosted by these. Um, by these two buff dudes, these two buff uh, Bohunks football players named Kurt and Ram, and uh, they, of course, they're very overly misogynistic and homophobic and everything you want in the Midwestern football player in this movie. And he dispatches them, or does he? Because he pulls out a gun and he, he shoots them with blank, supposedly, you know. And of course, this turns Veronica on, and then she falls in love. And of course, after she had. Heather Chandler takes her to this college party. She decides she's not going to take her shit anymore and go on her own. And her and JD get the grand idea to start bumping off her classmates, starting with Heather Chandler. That's not true, though. Go for no. it. And that's why I'm that's one of the things I hate about this movie. JD gets the idea and Veronica is so incredibly fucking stupid that she doesn't realize what's going on until about 45 minutes later into the movie. Well, she realizes as soon as her, her friend, you know, hits the ground, which, you know, I still love cornets to this day, by the way, where her last words is, is cornets for no good reason. She likes the barbecue. She likes the BBQ, man, you yeah. know? BBQ. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed the BBQ cornets as well. It doesn't make me a Heather or anything, but that's a snack food that I enjoy. <laughs> I don't know. See, I, th- I think she thinks that was an accident. And then later on, when they, they go after Kurt and Ram and Slater comes up with this bullshit story about how they're special bullets from World War II. Oh, yeah, that was a story and a half right there. That was <laughs> such fuck. And she's like, okay, <laughs> really? Oh, my, fa- my favorite. The most hilarious line in the entire movie is I love my dead gay son. Oh, the, 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 that's 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 like the the AC the ace of the whole Graham scene Zero. for me in this movie is the part where of the JD devices that just for further alibi and the cops fall hook line and sinker that if you put a muscle bag in a bag with some mineral water and some I forget what else he puts in that bag and did this is automatically going to say that the curtain ram were gay and they, they write this in a note that this is a, a suicide homosexual fact, you know, and, and that this was all, this is that was all the evidence they needed <laughs> that this was the truth. It was a Joan Crawford. It was photo. a Joan Crawford photo. Yes. That was the other thing. 
and this is all the evidence they needed that say that they, these dudes were gay and that this note is, is 100% accurate and <clears throat> teenage suicide, don't do it. Oh, my God. Oh, you had to say that. Now that <laughs> stupid thing's going to be stuck in my head. No, but I, 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 there's characters in this film which really, really hold together, hold the test of time to me. Uh, well, one of which, and I, I, I hate it when they, 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 in this, in Martha Dump Truck is one of the, one of the most tragic characters in, in cinema, but she gets redemption in the end, you know, and Heather wants to, hang, when Veronica wants to hang out with her finally, and that's all she needed was like that one friend, and I, I was fine with that, and. But she couldn't bring herself to do it until she got the red scrunchie because inside she's still a yeah bitch. yeah she 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 you know much like the the end of uh, another movie we're talking about she she's the queen bee now because all, all of course when Heather Chandler dies you know Heather Duke decides to get some balls with some some advice for for from J D who's in, apparently in all these kids heads you know just telling them what to do like he's yeah. a little devil on her shoulder like you know you can take over the school just like that. All you do is put on that red scrunchie. And she's like, okay, I'm fine yeah, with that. Yeah, the power of high school is in the red scrunchie. What happened? I said the power of the school is in the red scrunchie. Yeah. So, it's like Treasure of the Four Crowns. <laughs> I got a question. Amongst the, the, the Heathers and the, and, the, and, the, and the Veronica, which one was the ugly friend? Because there had to be one. Oh, Shannon. Shannon Doherty <laughs> completely. Look at her fucking hair, dude. It looks like cotton candy. <laughs> Looks like she just got dipped in a cotton candy machine. And they just swirled that shit on, and the high collar that shit ain't working. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I, I kind of disagree about. But I'm sorry. Her hair. Yeah, I kind of disagree about her not knowing that that JD was murdering folk, you know, and intentionally because that, that that she was. So she, she was trying to play up that whole doe in the headlight thing, and it wasn't working. I think that the whole part of Curtin Ram is like, oh, he's never going to do this again because I asked him not to. You're like, forget this guy's fucking psychotic. And one of my favorite characters in the whole film is JD's father. Yeah. <laughs> so one of my favorite characters of the entire film. <clears throat> he's just this, this fitness guy who doesn't give a shit and describing how he blew up this building, blew up that building. He blew up the building that killed his mother for yeah. fuck's sake, and he's okay with this. And, you know, that's, 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 really strange plot twist in this film about it really explains a lot about jd's psyche is that oh there's one of the many things that bug me in this film there's one that just stands out when jennifer chandler and veronica go to the frat party yeah and they're with the two geekiest guys in the frat well, that's the guy that got him into the party obviously and you know that's apparently the the, the remington party is a uh, a high class of, you know, hanging out with college kids and eventually getting date raped because it's 1988. So obviously they're just flipping these girls' mickeys all the time and having their way with them. No, the, the, most, yeah, the, the, two, the two geekiest guys are the ones that no, they're the most, with. The most just... awkward sex scene is when Kurt and Ram decide to go take Veronica and the other Heather, the the, the, the non-existent suicidal Heather, to, to uh, go cow tipping. Cow tipping. <laughs> yep. Now that's that's the height of high school partying right there. Cow tipping. Then, like Veronica was the part of, of uh, you know, of course, uh, the, the guy. The, oh, he's got that feeling. He needs sexual healing, of course. So he he has to say that. But Heather is totally she's just tearing her clothes off and she's covered in cow shit. And she has no problem with this. I mean, this is supposed to be a proper young lady. These young ladies who eat pate and 
play croquet and uh, this is Ohio. I'm just saying though, this is Ohio. It's, it's 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 crazy. It's a crazy setting for this film. This should be. There's nothing else to do in Ohio. This should be like Sherman Oaks, California, or something. It'd be, it'd be more believable, you know. Yeah, there's no cows in Sherman Oaks. <laughs> just fat women not playing it. <laughs> Oh man, no! They're gonna be superficial like the bitches in this movie. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's lots of, and I get everything you guys are saying. Again, everything you're saying is right, but I still like the movie for some reason. There's something that keeps you coming back to it. It's probably all the random, random scenes, like, um, like uh, whose whose funeral would that be? Where they were all in like 3D glasses and it was real bizarre. And all of a sudden, Heather Chandler shows up, and she opens the the thing, I guess, where the holy water is. Look at your favorite spaghetti, extra oregano, you know, shit like that. And this is a real bizarre funeral scene. Glenn Shattuck says that your your quintessential priest is it always makes me laugh at anything. So, Father Ripper, <laughs> what a name, <laughs> Father Ripper, because it's eighties and he's extreme. Oh man, right down the clergy, right down to the clergy, they're extreme. See, and. Of course, you get the end where JD wants to blow up everybody, much like the kid in the last film. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of ties between Massacre and Heather's. Let's talk about a few of those. Uh, I'll start with UX. What, what are some ties in between Heather's and, and Massacre? Well, there's the main one right yeah. there. Is they both end with a suicide bombing instead of blowing up the entire school. Um, you still have the the rich kids, the small pack of rich kids that are in control of the entire uh, student body. <clears throat> Except there wasn't a red scrunchie in Massacre at Central High. Maybe that would have helped. Um, <laughs> you have an anti-hero whose motivation... I don't know. I guess his motivation was a little bit more clear in Central High. Mm. But uh, not fucking much. And I don't... I've never understood JD's motivation fully in Heather's, and that's my main complaint well, about I, it. I think there was a general love for for Veronica there between between those two, and the the whole the whole that that changes throughout the film, obviously. But his motivations were basically to bump off people that he felt that were annoying Veronica on a daily basis, being Kurt and Ram, or being the you know bumping off these these niche bitches, these Heather's one by one. Would have made him happy, but then again, stuff went awry after after Kurt and Ram and Veronica wanted no part of that. So of course he moved on to Heather Duke, who who would be his next project, his next pet project. Who saying, okay, well, who annoys you? I'll kill them too. You know. Well, yeah, but you know what? I mean, if if that's that, yeah, because if if that's the thing, if you're just I'm going to bump off all these people who bother you, you know what? You do that in a fight in the parking lot after school, and then you get your girlfriend a card or some flowers or some shit. You don't come up with an amazingly complex plan to picture them as gay lovers and shoot them in the middle of a mossy glen. Um, so. Again, that's what bothers me, and especially at the end when JD's trying to explain himself, and he comes up with every fucking horrible public service announcement reason that he that he's psychotic. You know, it's like that scene in Repo Man where um, the bald dude the bald dude gets shot, and Emilio Estevez is kneeling next to him, and he's like, you know, I blame society for bringing me to this sorry fate, and Estevez is like, bullshit. It's not what yeah. it was at all. I don't think his motivations had anything to do with Veronica. I think he wanted 
that he was so opposed to what the status quo was, you know, the Heathers, the jocks, that he just wanted to find a way to do away with them regardless of Veronica. And it's implied that he did that wherever he lived because he lived in many states, according to him. So, yeah, I mean, the implication is he's been running around from state to state knocking people off at, at whatever school he's, well, he's a construction brat. See, if that's, a, if that's a thing, you know, his dad blows up buildings wherever they go and then they, they move on to another location, much right. like Kurt Russell in, in, in Captain Ron being nautical Jesus. He's he's a uh, he's he's a uh, Michael, the angel of death for for high school kids, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Captain Slater. <laughs> Oh yeah, but I, 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 this this film tickles me sometimes, and I guess if I had a pink character, I really didn't like the film. It'd be the the guidance counselor or grief counselor, whatever, whatever she is that brings all the children together when people start bumping each other off. Oh God, yes, and does the whole big hand holding yes. thing. Oh God, that if, if that and doesn't that make the- sick to your stomach, nothing will. Make sure this gets to my application to Princeton. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love that the principal's like, yeah, let let the hippie have her show. That's what I love about the fucking film. That scene, like, she won't shut the fuck up about it. Let the hippie have her fucking show. You know, this school, this 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 school doesn't have enough bad publicity with all the kids being bumped off. Now we need some fucking hippie liberal bitch to say, okay, let's bring all the kids together. Let's all hold hands and feel good about ourselves. It worked better, it worked better in Mean Girls, okay? That's all I'm saying. I, a lot of the stuff in these films worked better in Mean Girls. The cl- classic line of Mean Girls, I don't hate you because you're fat. You're fat because I hate you. Makes you laugh every time because that's what girls are thinking about because they're so jealous of each other sometimes. And, you know, oh, man. It, 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 worked, it worked better in there. If they had a... Uh, Tim Meadows and Tina Fey in this movie doing their thing rather than this fucking hippy-dippy bitch. It might have worked better for me. I don't know. Oh, come on. Mean Girls was a much better written story. Because, you know, Tim Meadows did not leave this, the South Side for this shit, man. After the other. Yeah, it, it, it's, it is 80s cliche right down to the, the pleated skirts and the scrunchies and the swatches. Don't forget the swatches, you know. All, all I wanted God. to do was watch Parker Lewis after I watched this movie in the worst way. But the vampires took him off of YouTube, synchronized swatches, and that was a thing in that show. So, <laughs> and Jerry's endless supply of stuff in his jacket. I, I, I love, I love Parker Lewis. Can't lose way more than I love this movie. But uh, I'll ask you guys. Let's just close this out. Um, what are your uh, final thoughts on Heather's Susan? I, I'm gonna go with a four. I just don't like it. I'm over it. It's cliched. It's. It, I just don't like it. We'll just leave it at that. It, I don't like Fair it. Fair enough. X? You know, I get that it's a dark comedy, um, but I don't think there's enough comedy to make it a dark comedy. It's just dark and convoluted, and I just I don't like the JD character. He, he's senseless to me, so I'm going to give this a five. Um. Yeah, this is the start of Christian Slater going into his... Jack Nicholson phase, if you like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I read on the IMDb that he asked Jack Nicholson to view the film, and he basically shut him down, as well he should have. <laughs> if you hear some, some crass teenage kid or, or mid-20s kid doing an impression of you, you don't like it, I, I'd imagine, you know, 
he'll sell them off just like he's selling his Lakers courtside seats, his season tickets on just uh, do away, would do away with him that fast. But uh, it's, it's a very film of its time that loses some points, you know, because it didn't really stand the test of time all the way. Uh, but for me, it is a little bit over middle of the road. It's a six out of 10 for me. I, I would say, yo, oh, you were talking a lot of good stuff about it during this review, but you know, it's, it's, it's all that and all of its flaws mixed together in a, in a stew that I keep coming back to, but I have a, I don't watch it. Like I watch Heather's twice a year. I don't watch Heather's twice a year. If it strikes my fancy and it's there, uh, I'll, I'll watch others, you know, and, but not, 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 not necessarily. I might not choose it over like another movie, but it's, it's, it's there. It's on uh, Netflix right now. If you guys have ever seen it before, I don't, I don't imagine my listening audience would have seen Heather's, but you know, to each their own, uh, case around, as they say, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. but uh, I'm going to move on to, uh, we're going to move on to our next review, which is, uh, the, the third in the boys versus girls, uh, series, um, which is a class of 1984, right after this. This is Jamie from Devour the Podcast. Do you enjoy horror commentary with straightforward honesty? Oh my god, fuck this movie. Fuck this movie so hard. Oh my goodness, you know, halfway through this movie, I was just like, let's get get this thing going. Fuck this movie. (laughs) Humor and an obvious passion for the genre. I like the cut of your jib. The ceiling, Grandma. Don't make me get out the broom. Oh, your tears are like wine. They used to call that the vapors. Cupcakes are kind of the shin list of desserts it's it's a, a pure good i love the idea of up-and-coming horror directors taking on the found footage genre i really really like that idea and that's really the worst thing you commit as far as filmmaking is concerned is making a film that's just average well that doesn't really inspire any kind of exactly. discussion whether it's you know to rip it apart or or praise it then you should spend time with david and me and Bo as we discuss horror films from old classics deep red empire of the ants lisa and the devil the Baby, The Toxic Avenger, The New Favorites, Absentia, Cabin in the Woods, The Loved Ones, Shadow of Death, VHS, The Woman. Check us out on iTunes or at devourthepodcast.blogspot.com. Devour the Podcast is a proud member of the Horophilia Podcasting Network. of 1984. Class of 1984. Their only goal is power. I run this school, man. Their only law is survival. If you want to survive around here, you have got to learn to look the other way. Their only allegiance is to themselves. Still believe in all that bullshit that holds it together. I pledge allegiance! Wise, should have done me right. Like this! Hey, look what he's done, man! He tried to kill me! Somebody's gotta stop this insanity. Well, you simply can't afford to fail this class. Now, what is the answer? I am the future. I am the future. I am the 
future. But you've taught before, and nothing like this has ever happened. All right, I gotta deal with it. Who's gonna protect you? He's one man trained to deal with students, but they've pushed him to the limit. They've gone too far. Now he's going to give the class of 1984 the lesson they deserve. <laughs> class of 1984, is this the future? Class of 1984 from 1982 gets a 6.6 .6 on your IMDb scale. Uh, plot synopsis is this. Andy is a new teacher in an, in an inner city high school that is nothing like he has seen before. The students have to go through a metal detector when they go through the front door, and everything is basically run by a tough kid named Peter Stegman. Soon, <laughs> Andy and Stegman become enemies, and Stegman will not stop at, will stop at nothing to protect his turf and drug-dealing business. Uh... Again, there's only a couple of actors that I know in this film, so I'll let X do the the the, the, the core cast. And he can tell you where he knows them from. Perry King um, is your main guy, and he was in a bunch of stuff back in the '70s. But I remember him mostly being like just mustachioed, softcore porn, and maybe a little bit of television. Riptide. <clears throat> yeah, he was on Riptide with Tom Bray, who was in Prince of Darkness. So, yeah, that works out. Um, there was something else he was in. What the fuck was it that just made me laugh? Oh, give me a second here. He was in the Lords of Flatbush, but that's not it. Uh, he was in this... Oh my god, what's the name? There, it was... A, a, damn it. There is a movie I saw recently. He played a detective, and the chick was clairvoyant. Oh, the clairvoyant. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Word association every time. Oh, that's it. He was in Mandingo. He was in fucking Mandingo. He was Hammond Maxwell. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> yeah, but he still plays the same kind of character in that. He does. He's Yeah, he does. He plays the same kind of character pretty much all the time. Uh, let's see. Timothy Van Patten is in this. Of course, Dick Van Patten's child. We're back to the eight is enough thing for reasons I don't fully understand. <clears throat> Roddy McDowell is in this movie, and he fucking tears yes, it he up. Does. He is so good in this movie. Uh, Stefan Arngrim plays a character named Drugstore. Stefan Arngrim was the cross-dressing uh, <clears throat> son of Satan in the movie See No Evil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael J. Fox is in this movie, and he's like, what, 13? Oh, he's young. Maybe? He's little, little. Um, Al Waxman is in this movie. Al Waxman's one of those guys. You know him when you see him, but you don't know his name. If you've seen the movie Venom with Oliver Reed about the killer snakes from like the killer snake from Africa, Al Waxman's the one that gets like bit in the fucking face and it just fucking balloons out and takes up the entire screen from the reaction. That's where I know Al Waxman from, but you know, I'm That's where I saw him. Yeah, he was in Venom. 
so those are the, those are those are the main folks uh, in this movie. Again, <clears throat> early '80s, so you're still dealing with a lot of the '70s cast members, as you know the the decades kind of overlap there. Um, the the fat guy, he was um the the fat guy in Meatballs. Was he? Yeah, I can't remember his name. Barnyard. Uh. uh yeah, Keith Knight. Yeah. Oh, and he was also in uh, My Lady Valentine. Yes. Oh, boy. So, Zag, I guess let's we'll take lead on this one. Uh, tell the folks a little bit about uh, 19, Class of 1982. 84, 84, I mean, 82, 84. <laughs> class of 1984. Well, I have to admit, I have not watched this movie. I, I don't even want to tell you how long it's been. So, it was almost a 1st of view for me. But, you know, I just want to start. There was some interesting things in it like perry king his character i got the straw dogs feel because he was a very passive guy trying to find the best in everybody and then he gets completely pushed over the edge in just a massive carnage just goes completely off the deep end and I agree. Roddy McDowell. I've never seen Roddy McDowell play anything like that. So it was just kind of fascinating to see how he was pretty much just drinking his way through, trying to keep his mouth shut, turn, look the other way. But same thing he had when his lab, they broke into his lab and killed all of his animals. Mm. He went off the deep end. He drank more scotch that day than any other day he ever had. Yeah, <laughs> but I just I the one thing that just kept jumping at me is I was I, I I totally was getting that straw dogs feel. I've never seen straw dogs called a shameless item, so it's it's uh it's it's going on the list, guys. It's for me to watch. <laughs> so I'm not that's I have a no gap. frame of reference here. So <laughs> with that, um, let's see. Think of it this way. Um, if you want to drop the straw dogs analogy, the whole movie you can feel it building up to almost a death wish sort of yep. thing. Yeah. So yeah, his character is, is, is kind of like Paul Kersey, except it takes him a lot longer to get angry. Well, yeah. I mean, for, for me, you know, I, I take blackboard jungle. I mentioned blackboard jungle earlier. That movie mm-hmm. is this movie, but on crystal meth. Okay. Because there's, there's some churns in this movie. <laughs> it's the same basic story. The, the, the teacher in, in, um, in, in, um, in Blackboard Jungle comes to this, 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 I guess it's in, I think it's in Brooklyn, I think, the school, which has all, all many, many nationalities. You got black, you got, Phil, uh, you got Hispanics, you got white kids all, all in one cluster in the school. Like, like the, I guess they would consider like the, the melting pot high, high school at this time. He goes in there, tries to reach these kids. He has the same friend, friend teachers and the same teachers are the same thing. Basically like, oh, these kids can't be helped. What they didn't tell you this is this bad, blah, 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 to the point where the one teacher, I think he brings like brass knucks to school or something, or he actually brings a gun to school, much like Roddy McDowell's character, but he doesn't, there's no teacher that actually loses their mind like, like Roddy McDowell in that, that movie. But, um, yeah, it's the same deal. He has a wife that's pregnant, but she doesn't get gang raped in that movie because it's from the fifties, it's from the eighties, you know, and, and but yeah, except for them being like, you know, like punkers, they were just like a, a regular like gang who like stole like cargo trucks and stuff like that and terrorized a little borough and, you know, stuff like that. And and 
this film is very similar to that because you get the same scene, same themes, almost the same teachers. But where this film differs from is the drug aspect of it, the fact that you know the one kid, the the, the lead kid is uh is talented apparently, and there, there's a scene where he just wants to be part of the the school orchestra, and he 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 uh, our our teach yo teach finds out that he's really good at, and that doesn't go anywhere. So there's a throwaway scene in this film. It's it's that scene where he can play piano really well, but he doesn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? I could jam this basketball, but I'm not going to the NBA, you know? Fuck you. Fuck establishment. Fuck you. You know? And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, the same thing with bad kids who were running things, much like the Cretans in Class of Newcomb High, which came a couple years later, which I'm sure took a bunch of stuff from this film. If you watch them back-to-back, you'll probably find many similarities. Um, are just bad kids. I mean, they, they, they sell drugs, apparently hallucinogenics, because there's... Michael J. Fox's friend, apparently, who wants to try these drugs, and he climbs this 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 flagpole and falls to his death. And you know, it's very you know American flag. We hang this flag every morning, and now I'm gonna die from falling down after I can't handle my high. And you know, it's 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 a lot of these kids running the show, much like in Blackboard Jungle, much like in Class of Newcomb High. They're all big big similarities for this film. Now, what got me was. Now, this film is not Class of 1999, which is also directed by Mark Lester, but this one is directed by Mark Lester as well and written by Tom Holland. How in the fuck they got an R rating for a film like this? It just it just blows my mind that they got an R rating for a film like this. Are you serious? The last 20 minutes would have merited an R rating. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised yeah. it wasn't like an X, though. Like, they didn't have to cut anything out. From much oh, no, okay. no, I'm not talking about the film itself. I mean, the film itself is... It just seems too extreme for them to be, be have a real hard R if that was the case. Or somebody had a moment of weakness at the PAA at that point. Well, it makes well you there were worse movies that had an R rating. And you have to admit, it was a little looser back in the 80s. And this was before the PG-13 rating came along, too. So Yeah. But the teacher's wife apparently is, oh, I'm not going to say she was real loose because they'd be really bad to say about, you know. But that's about as extreme as you can get. Let's break into the man's home and rape his pregnant wife. Not rape. They're gonna run a train on his pregnant wife. Just, just like just, just and, and and take, take pictures. pictures. You know, much like you know the fate of of uh, Shelley Draven in in the Crow. You know, they were going to town on this woman. You didn't see anything. You know, but you could tell that they, they you know the four the, the one guy was gonna hit her with a chain for falling asleep from all the 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 the. the ugly sex she was having with these fellows and oh that was, it was brutal. brutal man yeah it was and the whole time he just wanted to have his concert man but he was missing one because there's a point in this film where they think michael fox is the jay is gone is a snitch in this film so they stab him and they puncture his kidney children right in the middle with a fucking crisp yes. blade <laughs> so yeah Right in the middle of the right cafeteria. Because you know, just just like you're in a prison yard or something, or if this or if this is I, Bad Boys with Sean Penn and Isai Morales, you know. God. Yeah. So here's here's where my theory comes in. I have we 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 look at the main bad guy from Class of 1984, very sheltered, uh, protected by his mother, an incredibly weird sense of entitlement. In a lot of ways, he's more like Kevin Bacon from Diner than he is anybody else. But here's the connection between his character 
and the character of the kid in Massacre at Central High. And it's those fucking frosted tips. <laughs> I am convinced that if you are a man and you have frosted tips, you are evil. Could be. Yeah, you could be up to no good. That's what I'm saying. Watch any movie, look for the dude with the frosted tips, and by God, if he's not a bad guy in some way, I'll eat my shorts. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh, Maybe. Oh, but yeah, this this film was good though. I I, I um I enjoy you know everything that happens in the film, right down to the to the scene with Roddy McDowell, where, you know after he kills his after he kills his uh they they kill his pets. There's a couple more scenes, and then you get this cut scene where he's in class, and all the punkers are paying really close attention to him because he has a gun marked on all of them. If they, Such oh a yeah, scene. if they don't, if oh, it is. it's so powerful. Oh, man. How many chambers in the human heart, X? Come on, man. Just <laughs> exactly. What is an amphibian? Oh man, he says. Lo- oh, that's too bad. Oh. It's like it's like. This is how you break him, and you guys broke him, and now this is the state that he's in. To where yeah. in the very next scene, he's like, you want me to drive you home? No, I'll be all right. No, you're not all right. Because then you start terrorizing these teens with your car until you, your car does the the, 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 the standard action movie flip and, ex- and explodes. And, you know. <clears throat> yep. Drinking scotch and mowing down teens. That's what it'll get you. Not in this school, man. No, no, it's it's it's. it's. And I, I, of course, you yeah, have the cautionary beginning part of this film. You know, oh, to, unfortunately, this is the truth, and blah 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 blah. Where it very very well may be, you know, in, in certain schools. I've I've seen, especially now, where teachers are like glorified babysitters for the most part. Cause yeah. Either the parents don't give a shit, or you know, the kids just don't care. Either a combination of both. Mm-hmm. No father at home. Whatever's going on in their, in their house, I, I, don't, I don't live there, so I couldn't tell you. But it's, it's a shitty state in public schools, and this this film personifies that, but to a way extreme measure, you know. Right. Yeah, well, seventies and early eighties, New York City was. There were places you did not go if you wanted to be seen alive again, and now the entire city is so gentrified that that just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, 42nd Street's dead, man. Yep. But uh, p- politics aside, you know, basically, um, we can shoot into this now. Um, any other thoughts you have on 1984? Uh, throw them out there now, X. Um, a couple of things. The theme song is sung by Alice Cooper, but it does not sound like it Alice It does not sound like Alice Cooper, Cooper, no. It sounds like Alice Cooper slowed down about so his voice is down about three steps. And it's weird because when you slow that song down, it's right up there with the theme song from Massacre at Central High. Mm-hmm. It's just that bad. Um, a lot of this movie is like watching, like if they had given Bulk and Skull their own series. <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> I would watch that too. It would be class of 1984. Um I love the cast. I like the little callback that Mark Lester does. There's one part where Stegman is watching Bobby Joe and the Outlaw, which is a movie that Mark Lester also directed. So, hi, self-referential much? Um, it starts off dumb. It starts off real fucking dumb. But by the time it's over, it's you're sucked in, and it's great. Um, I give this an eight. Beautiful. Uh, Suzanne? I think I'm going to give it about an eight myself. I just like seeing how 
he it took so much to push him over the edge and he went oh, bat shit and full insane. tilt. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it was it was I agree the the beginnings it's a little slow to start because you know it seems like they took some pains to you know show you shades of these people's character but the violence at the end wow so yeah, yeah. straight up eight yeah that rampage at the Ooh. end is fucking oh, God, amazing what, what do you get he burns somebody alive you get di- sets him on yeah, fire dismemberment by a power tool by a power saw dismemberment crushing with a oh, car he, he wrecks him <laughs> he yeah. wrecks him and pushed through a window and wrapped up in wires. Conveniently. Yep. <laughs> nice, nice touch. Nice touch, yes, indeed. That's the icing on the cake. The uh, hanging at the orchestra concert. <laughs> Symphony of Screams, much like Sid, Sid, Sid 6.7 in Virtuosity. He wants that shit, man, now, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for me, uh, yeah, this film is it's pretty wonderful to watch. I, it's it's if you watch class 1999 you get to see what lincoln high becomes i guess and that's pretty magical because you have robot pam greer and patrick kirkpatrick and i forget the other guy's name but i mentioned that he was uh, the principal in, in three o'clock high and <laughs> they're robots and they're terrorizing they're making two gangs fight each other so that that's that's a fun movie to watch if it's a sci-fi film this is a, a drama high drama you know Mixed with some Death Wish in there. Uh, like I said like I said earlier, if you watch Blackboard Jungle, I say watch that first and then watch this film and then compare and contrast. Because with the exception of the last half an hour, where, like I said, Roddy McDowell and, our, and Perry King go full tilt, where they just broke them, it's pretty much the same movie, you know? Um, yeah, good stuff. Come on, I, I love Mark Lester's work. And now I'll be one of, the, one of the first ones to say that. Love Commando, different kind of movie, but yeah, same same vibe, you know. But uh, with, uh, <laughs> with I know I'm the only person in the world who fucking hates Commando, but I hate so Commando. So extreme, so extreme. <laughs> it's not a good movie, but it, it is wild. But <laughs> it's entertaining. I say uh, I'm gonna give it an eight too as well. It's eights all around for this film because uh, it's it's a watch. It's on YouTube to watch for free. Uh, go go seek that shit out. You're getting a beautiful. Yeah, I'm, man, I'm looking that. forward to the Screen Factory Blu-ray that's coming too. You're getting that real soon. Oh, I'm definitely getting that. Fuck yes. And uh, yeah. With that, we'll move on to our last film, which is a film I'm glad we're closing this show out with for for a lot, a lot of a lot, a lot of reasons. It's a uh, Jawbreaker from 1999, and we'll get into that right after this. Looking for something to fill that deep, horrible, dirty void inside? Then look no further than the podcast Under the Stairs. Join your host, Duncan McLeish, and guests as they dissect horror films old and new. No film is too gory. No film is too scary. No film is too violent for the podcast Under the Stairs. The podcast Under the Stairs can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com or on iTunes. The podcast Under the Stairs is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Podcasts. To avoid fainting, keep repeating to yourself, it's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's It's only a podcast. podcast. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. 
You should have seen the four of them. People worshipped them and cursed them, but everybody wanted to be them. Courtney was the leader. All right, girls, out! She was like Satan in heels, and Marcy was her henchman. I don't think we'd met what was the cruel politics of high school and all. At a school like Reagan High, being the teen dream can be a little hard to swallow. It is with deep dismay that I inform you that Elizabeth Purr... I heard she choked on a jawbreaker. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> Are you Courtney Alice Shane? Maybe. Now... I'm Detective Vera Cruz. One detective will try to find the face that fits the facts. You ever seen one of these before? No. No? Take a lot of licks to get one of these things down. It's hard. You frighten me. Learn it. Live it. Love it. From TriStar Pictures. Do you like it? It's okay. There's nothing kinky about okay now, is there? Can you say freak? Comes the battle between the babes. She's so evil. And she's only in high school. It's over, Courtney. I am petrified. Jawbreaker. Our best friend is dead. Do you have any idea what that means? You were shooing for prom queen? Jawbreaker from 1999 uh, gets a 5.4 year IMDb. Undeserved, you That's bullshit. bullshit. Yes, indeed. That is total bullshit. <laughs> oh, boy. The plot synopsis. Three of the most popular girls at Reagan High actually kill the prom queen with a jawbreaker while kidnapping goes horribly wrong. Uh, you got to cast some young Bettys in this film that you probably know and love, including Rose McGowan. Uh, J- Judy Greer now is in a lot of, a lot of stuff. Rebecca Gayhart kills children in Mexico, and, uh, <laughs> she does, she does, thanks. Uh, Julie Benz, who you might know from, um, Boondock Saints 2 and Buffy and Angel, if you watch the TV shows. And, and Dexter. Dexter. See, I don't watch Dexter, so I, I got bored with it, I'm sorry. I'm that guy, you know. <laughs> but, uh, I'll shoot it to you, Mr. X, it's the first time you've seen this film for, for this show, ever. You've seen it ever. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jawbreaker? This, this was a first-time watch for me, and I don't know what I was expecting. Um, it was good to be reminded what a mediocre band the Donnas was, so if nothing else... Those are tunes that I enjoy. I, I don't know what it is about, okay. about slightly <laughs> approachable females who can play their instruments that do it for me. You know, it's just... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I got two words for you, my friend. The Runaways. Yeah, so, yeah. Think, think about that. They're just um, generations of runaways that they're just as good as the runaways, but they're they're no, a they're nice not. outlet for me to to look at. I guess you know. <laughs> this is the most '90s movie I've ever seen in my life, which makes sense because it came out in '99, the very last year of the '90s. But everything about this is just pure '90s nostalgia, down right down to having fucking letters to Cleo on the soundtrack and having a. A cameo from Marilyn Manson. Oh, very creepy! <laughs> very creepy. Which was so was great. Gowan at the time. Yeah, they were they were they were together. I think at the time. Yeah, exactly. But this movie is so great. Essentially, it's the the popular girls in school kidnap their their 
their friend, the nice one. That's what everybody keeps saying is that she was actually nice and kind to people. And so for her birthday, they kidnap her as a prank. They shove a gigantic jawbreaker in her mouth. They cover her mouth with duct tape, and they put her in the trunk of their car. And by the time they get to where they're all going to have breakfast together, the girl's dead. She's got a fucking jawbreaker lodged in her throat. So now it becomes like, you know, how do we cover up this this horrible murder? But this movie really has a lot to say about, and I think it has more to say about how high school actually works than Heather's ever dreamt of. Fair enough. Um, not to mention, this movie's got a fucking mean streak a mile wide. Nobody comes out on unscathed. Nobody ends up looking good. Except, you know, the corpse. Yeah, she, yeah. Even then, that's kind of awkward. <laughs> well, yeah I, well, yeah, I mean, they kept her in a trunk for a few hours. But still, what I'm saying is, it's this movie's this movie's mean. I, I consider it to be meaner than Mean Girls. I really, really like. Oh, it. just just the part where they're they're putting the body back in the bedroom, <laughs> and uh, I, I Rebecca Gayard and Julie Benz, uh, uh, with Foxy and I forget the other Rebecca Gayhart's name in this movie, but they're like setting up her legs like she's gonna go like spread eagle or something, it, which is yes. They were they splayed the body. It was really strange to just to watch the because they paused on that one scene and then they cut away, you know, back to, you know, uh, Rose McGowan's character, you know, Courtney, Courtney Shane. Shane. Yes, indeed. In her very 50s attire. And, you know, and I love the fact that all the girls in the movie breasts are prominently shown, but Courtney Shane's titties are just popping out to this whole film, you know, like mm-hmm. nobody else in the high school was allowed to show their titties except for her because that was her thing. <laughs> so just one major superficial thing about this movie to me that stood out much like Rose McGowan's breasts in this movie well I think Jawbreaker it, it's it's a hell of a lot of fun but Jawbreaker is pretty much Heather's done the right way fair enough but I, I just don't but like you only have one corpse in this but... movie obviously you know yeah yeah it wasn't a rampage like the other movies we've done but it just it seemed a lot more honest uh-huh and it's got a lot more Carol Kane. Yeah, a lot more Carol Kane, yeah. yes. And Pam Greer, which I appreciate greatly. Oh, I love Pam Greer in this. She is just the hard-nosed cop trying to get to the bottom of it. And Courtney seems to think she's got everything lined up and in its proper place, so it's never going to come back on her. But you you just know that Pam Greer suspects her. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Right from the interrogation scene where she is, she randomly, not this, this is the part that creeps me out. Probably one of the most things that creeps me out about this movie is the part where Pam Greer is brandishing the jawbreaker. Is that the jawbreaker that was removed from their friend's mouth, <laughs> their friend's throat? No, it can't be. That'd be fucking evidence, <laughs> like, dude. I was always curious, like, just to scare the fuck out of him, just to say, yeah, do you recognize this particular jawbreaker? You know, <laughs> This was lodged in your friend's throat, and you know that that that, that thing. And I actually watched this. I've seen it so many times. I watched it with the director's commentary, which is this guy Darren Stein, who's uh, the writer and, and director of this film. Sounds like the guy that would hang out with the, the popular girls in high school and act like he was gay, but he wasn't. 
seems oh, kind of like their pretentious douchebag, you know, talking to the whole movie, which is okay. But he, he explained where a lot of his his references came from and why he had PJ Souls and Jeff Conaway in the movie and and Eon and why yeah William Cat and, Je- and and PJ Souls play a small cameo in this movie is uh the dead girl's parents Liz Perth parents yeah yeah Liz Per the cat's meow as as Fern says you know. <laughs> Which is a, the, the, it's a sad. I guess she'd be the Martha dump truck of this movie, but they, 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 uh, they, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? <laughs> they made her pretty, I guess, to cover up the fact that she was going to tell them that they murdered, they, they, they murdered the, this girl that she admired so much. And Judy Greer in this film isn't, isn't, she's not, I'm not saying she's ugly, okay, but she's not, she's not like the rest of them. They, they make her into the ugly friend. She is the Heather Duke of this film, I guess, <laughs> you know? So the fact that they look they, they look fabulous and and uh the fact that she looks kind of like you know okay to the fact that she gets to the point of the moment she gets her own fashion sense and they she comes up in her her ruby red car much like you know Heather Chandler she gets to be red much like you know Courtney Shane she even the point where they're in the bathroom and they're putting on their lipstick all the lipstick colors are different. Like Courtney Shane has to has the red has to have the red lipstick. Nobody else can wear red, you know. And and it, she she drove in a red car and she was wearing a shirt to accentuate uh, a spaghetti strap shirt to accentuate her breasts because apparently the only show their breasts in this film was Courtney Shane, and you know did really drove her nuts. Like there was a, a sign of disrespect to these popular girls who made her into something, made her into Violetta, as she calls herself now. In yeah. Really mean spirited shit. This movie. <laughs> you know what? I, I the more we talk about it, the more I think about it. I I realize that this movie is not so much. It it is Heather's done right, but it's also Carrie. Yeah, it, it is Carrie yeah. in reverse. Definitely yeah. Carrie minus the pig blood, and they even mentioned that in the movie. It has a very Carrie ending, you know, because yeah. of course you know you you don't make it to the prom and in, in these other films because, but in this film, you, of course, you go to prom. You have, you know, white kids dancing badly, and of course, like like you get these movies, and they find a tape of her basically making that she she bumped off the, she killed Liz the the teen dream deal with it whatever she whatever says on the tape, and that's like the the bucket of pig's blood on her head after she wins the prom queen, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I love that scene of that movie where the the the, the slow mo walk of shame of them just throwing their corsages at her, you know. Cause, Oh, I saw uh, there was a face in that that I recognized. Did you guys ever watch that '70s show? Oh yeah, the the sister in that '70s yeah, show. Yeah, the sister. The drunk. The, and she looked like a crack The drunk whore. chick at the. <laughs> the drunk chick at the table. <laughs> she looked like a crack whore. It's like that that joke, the Jeff Foxworthy joke. It's that girl that's dancing by herself way too early in the evening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's sad because you know that girl, and that's that's what the sad part of that Jeff Foxworthy joke is. Oh, that top's coming off tonight, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but Jawbreaker, I, I see it in theaters. I was I was 18 years old. I was, I was fresh out of high school, and I, I'm not saying I knew kids like these, but I knew of kids like these because I didn't run in those circles for obvious reasons. I want to pinch girls like that, you know, and uh. It, it, it's it spoke to me not an intellectual level, but I, I I can see I can see the prominence of a film like this, where high school social structure social structure comes into play, 
it's not explained to you like it is in Clueless. Like this is the, this is the rich kids and this is the goth girls and these are the geek squad and this is the that or the other. They're just kind of all thrown into one big stew and you know and saying, okay, this is this this high school and these are these girls who kind of run the school but they don't. They're just kind of doing their own thing and they make it very established. I mean, the director compared. They're they're walking in scene you know, that 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 pan up in the shadows to Reservoir Dogs. Again, I said pretentious douchebag on this commentary. I'm kind of sorry I listened to it now, but I can see the love and the respect. I mean, to the to the films that he was trying to reference, and including Carrie and the fact that he brought Jeff Conaway in because he, these girls. If you look at Courtney Shane's wardrobe. It's not like the others. She's wearing like these very 50s, 60s style clothes throughout the whole film, and except her freakish prom dress at the end. But um, I can I can get into that. But um, any uh, scenes that stood out to you guys? I know X is the first time you've seen it. Uh, anything that stood out to you like scene wise in this movie? What scene? scene yeah, any, any scenes that you enjoy particularly in this film? Oh my God! Well, it's, Jesus, first time. It's hard to say which ones I like the best. Um. I know I really like the shot where they find the body in the trunk just because of that giant fucking swell in well, her. That was a real prosthetic too. They, <laughs> they mentioned that that was a real prosthetic and that was like, that was a big old undertaking because she had to wear it all the time, you know, and that's so nasty. Um, I really like Judy Greer. Um, you know, as an actress, she's, she's funny all the time. And of course she was the guidance counselor in the Carrie remake, which I think is yes. funny with, conversation so pretty much anytime she's on screen i'm happy but um i don't know i'd have to watch it again to really give you like a favorite Fair scene enough. but i'm sure i will be wa- i'm sure i will be watching it again because rose mccowan yeah and her uh her, her glorious uh bosoms in this movie just you know all she's... the reason i need dude <laughs> she's so evil in this she... movie yeah she's gorgeous um evil yes i'm sorry <laughs> Oh man, the the the, the big stick scene that I, I I alluded to earlier was uh is uncomfortable for a man to watch. It's like what what will this bohunk do to to get laid? Apparently, commit phall- phallic uh, mouth sucking on his popsicle, and you know, and she's the kind of girl that wouldn't give it up. Like huh, I'm gonna tell all the boys that you did this, you know, and just walk out of the room, you know. And that's what I dug about Courtney Shane's style in this movie. She just was that smug bitch who had that, you know, power over men that would make them, you know, do something like that, especially with the the big stick, you know. I thought you wanted some kink, you know, shit like that, you know. You know what's interesting, though, is I don't hate that character. Oh, I don't either, no. Which is interesting because you would think a character like that who is despicable and does despicable things is somebody that you would actually just end up not liking, but... I really enjoyed her character a great deal. I didn't want to smack her in the face or anything. I wanted to punch Foxy. I thought Foxy was the worst. I wanted to smack around Rebecca Gayhart because through the entire movie, she looks like somebody else's mom. Yeah, yeah. Too fucking old to be in high school, and it's obvious. And then the way she dresses, like she just robbed a dress barn. Especially after the killing itself and after she wanted to know part of it. If you notice... She had very like she, she started dressing dumpy. She, she she dressed down at that point, like she wasn't yeah. part of the clique anymore. So she had no reason to impress those girls anymore. So, so weird. she wore like a 
what do you call that when the, the hair slipped up on the bottom, Suzanne? Uh, why are you asking oh, I, me? You're she's a lady. I, I figured you know these things. <laughs> but she's wearing she she dresses and she dresses right down to her hair. She dresses differently than the other girls, and she's not part of their their clique anymore. And I, I enjoyed I enjoyed that factor of this film, like that that was all you needed just to step away from the, the this uh, group that you become accustomed to is just change the way you look. And you know I guess that it's a uh, Go find a gay theater major or something just to hang out with for a while and drive around in his car. <laughs> gay or is he? Because they made that a big deal in this movie too. They no, he he's in drama. He must be gay, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, but Jawbreaker for me is it's it's, it's a special. I seen in the theater and it was it was a film of the time, much like Heather's was. But this one stands up a little a little higher than Heather's, a lot higher than Heather's for. The fact about how how smart it is, uh, I really really hate saying this after hearing this guy's commentary about how smart it is, but uh, it seemed like he put a lot of thought into you know the building of these 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 bitches, and I don't know if crimping was in in 1999, but Foxy had these crimps at the end of the hair at the prom scene. They want to just oh god, I want to shave her head off or something, you know? <laughs> Again, to make her the uglier friend. <laughs> Shortly, had like these these this metal looping in her hair to make herself look cool and you know just there's foxy just crimping it out with her with her with her foxy chain and you know that's so her dumpy dress <laughs> yeah. oh yeah but it's good to be man i guess we'll uh, go into final thoughts and ratings uh with ux no i'm just saying that i'd have i'd avoided the movie for so long because of the color palette the poster kind of made me think it was going to make me lose my balls but um now that I've watched it, I fucking loved it. I gave it an eight. Uh, Suzanne. I think it's a lot of fun. Pam Greer is awesome when she's banging that jawbreaker on the interrogation table. That was pretty wicked. There's very little to dislike about this movie. I think I'll end up giving it an eight as well. Uh, yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's a it's a film. You know, where a lot of crap was coming out this time around. This is a a diamond in the rough of the crap that was coming out in the late '90s. Talking to you, Valentine. But uh, it's, it's a <laughs> God. That movie was fucking awful. But there was a lot. Leave Jamie Blanks alone. There was a, there was a lot of shit that came out that that that, that was really terrible. And this was a, a, a shining diamond in the rough of, of a movie that is very enjoyable. And like you said, X, the very the box art is very misleading of what what you're gonna get. Which are characters that are they're very fleshed out. They're very they're, they're, they, they made them their own, especially Rose McGowan in this movie. You believed that she was just this queen bee bitch of this school, and she was this sadistic. And I love Marilyn Manson's mustache in this movie as he's banging away. And you don't, that's the thing about that scene. You don't know if he's banging her or he's banging the corpse. You don't know, man. <laughs> this is the creepiest thing because they don't pan down. So, <laughs> But I think you get, you, you get justification when you see the corpse under the bed. But you don't know if he fucked the corpse first and then he fucked Courtney, which would be more creepy, or the corpse was next. I don't. I don't know. I'm thinking too far into this because he just looked extra creepy with that mustache, like like coming to my van, oh, children, yeah. and I got some candy for you. You know. <laughs> I was I was I was trying to shut that scene out of my head, but now it's it's back. You know, in full mustache and full full Reynolds. Okay, but uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, but it's, yeah, he looked like. You're like Juan Valdez's fatter brother in that scene. <laughs> uh it's 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 a nine. It's it's almost perfect to me. 
It was really, it was really easy to make this film into a piece of shit, and it, it was not a piece of shit at all. So yeah, it's up there in the echelon of films that I love. So with excellent. With that, um, we'll come back. We'll close out the show. <gasps> My films! Oh, gimme, gimme, gimme! Ah, cinema. Porkies, meatballs too. Enjoy your crap fest. <laughs> oh, go read the bell jar, you poser. Klaus, prepare to feast your eyes on the majestic grandeur of the silver screen. Discover Planet of the Apes. where humans run wild in the jungles. And the superior beings are apes. Custody for final disposition. Do you realize what that means? No. Emasculation to begin with. Then experimental surgery on the speech centers, on the brain. Then a kind of living death. City in the year 2022. Nothing runs anymore. Nothing works. But the people are the same. And the people will do anything to get what they need. This is the police. What they need most is Soylent Green. Detective Sergeant Thorne. He has a two-year backlog of unsolved murders. Now he's on a case that must be solved. Saul Roth, Thorne's private library. Hey, Saul. A living book in a world without books. Have some pencils. Courtesy of your next assignment. William R. Simonson. Simonson. He was the first to learn the secret of Soylent Green. They told me to, uh, to say that they were sorry, 
but that you had become unreliable. <laughs> Saul Roth was the next to know. How do we come to this? And he chose to die rather than reveal the secret of Soylent Green. What is the secret of Soylent Green? Why did you set up Simonson? I didn't. Cheryl. Let's see your hands. Officially, she's furniture. She comes with the apartment. She belongs to the tenant. How many times you've been in trouble with the police, Cheryl? Never. Can't hear you. Never. Captain Hatcher. First, he wanted this case solved. Simonson, what do you say? It was an assassination. Now, he just wants it closed. Who bought you? High and hot. And they want this case closed permanently. Their way. Now, you sign this. You sign it! Dorn refuses to close the Simonson case. Just do what you have to do. Where did you go with Simonson? He took me to church. Church? Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been six months since my last confession. Charlton Heston, Edward G. Robinson, Chuck Connors, Lee Taylor Young, Brock Peters, Paula Kelly, and Joseph Cotton. Fight for survival and try to solve the most bizarre riddle ever to face mankind. The search for the secret of Soylent Green. You will find out why Soylent Green means life. You will find out why Soylent Green means death. We've got to stop him! What is the secret of Soylent Green? Please! Mud. God, I forgot to keep the fuel up in the generator. They'll be into the garage. 
X push whatever you got to push, my friend. Oh my God! Kiss the let's see, kiss the goat. Listen to that show. Uh, Not so evil episodes sidecast. Listen to that show. Uh, the six and a half point. Six, God, I can't even say it. It's my own fucking show. <laughs> six and a half feet under podcast. Listen to that. I've got an interview with Larry Blamire and Brian Howe and Allison Martin and Dan Conroy from the big. Uh, audio adventure book of Big Dan Freighter and also like the Lost Skeleton of Cadavra and Dark and Stormy Night all those guys really 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 funny stuff so check I'm not funny they're funny check them out um, I don't even know what I write words and you can find them on Amazon <laughs> uh, Suzanne oh nothing really to push right now maybe in another week or two okay uh yeah, you could you could um find me on this show obviously. You could find me on uh two drink venom commentaries. That's a show we do where we talk during the movie, and you guys can watch the movie at the same time. It's doing pretty well in the Legion Legion podcast feed, so I appreciate you guys for that. Uh, you can find those all at legionpodcast.com. Uh, you can find me on Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, which is uh exclu- exclusively available on the Horophilia Network of Podcasting. That's Horophilia. Dot com. Uh, we just put our Chud 2 episode. Next episode will be uh, the big-ass Road to Hell episode, which we had a great time doing. And uh, I have to edit that beast now, which could be a long undertaking. So gear up for some 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 Marco Michael Paré love once again. Because we just did Eddie the Cruises 2, the show before Chud 2. So, you know, completely by accident. <laughs> um... Yeah, find me on Twitter, uh, at GW. Uh, come join the Cinebee Facebook group. We're almost 100 people strong. We need you people out there for your support and keep seeing us posting random shows. X just posted one yesterday, so I'm uh, I'm proud of him for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just throw something out there, my friend. He's love for the Dodge, he's yeah. for the Dodge Charger, and I, I can get behind that. And, uh, okay. and uh, yeah, if you guys want to, uh, go to iTunes and hit us up. If you guys rate and review us on iTunes, either that, uh, two jig- two jig- commentaries, sloppy seconds, the bird and the beard, all four of those things. If you have a chance to go rate and review those, you have a chance to win some fabulous items I have for you, which I, I posted on several groups, including a few autographs, including Danny Trejo, Jeffrey Combs, and Charles Band, a couple random Blu-rays. And a brand spanking new Punisher pop vinyl, which looks very fancy on your shelf with his white booties. And uh, <laughs> that's old school Punisher, man, wearing the white booties and the white gloves. But, um, yeah, with that, thanks for all your support and all you guys listening. And here at the Cinnamon Beef Podcast, if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See ya. No. Hey, I got Penny. <laughs> Don't make up an elaborate story. This will help you avoid a big tear-jerking scene. 
If you want to date other people, say so. Be prepared for the boy to feel hurt and rejected. Even if you've gone together for only a short time and haven't been too serious, there's still a feeling of rejection when someone says she prefers the company of others to your exclusive company. But if you're honest and direct and avoid making a flowery emotional speech when you break the news, the boy will respect you for your frankness and honestly, he'll appreciate the kind of straightforward manner in which you told him your decision. Unless he's a real jerk or a crybaby, we don't make friends. Again. I'm sure he'll like it. Everyone will appreciate it. You're so novel. What a good idea. 